0: When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to
1: it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Welcome in to hey. episode 572. For the oh, podcast of so awesome. the Super The Sports Podcast. It is Friday, August 19th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for the FFE, the fun Friday edition of the Aaron Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We got a lot to discuss as we are now one Saturday away from college football. No football this weekend. Next weekend, oh uh, yeah, it's week zero. It is officially go time for college football, so we are fired up. This will be the last Friday episode of the Aaron Sports Podcast with no college football until mid-December. Well, there's going to be college football, but no college football preview. So what are we going to talk about? Here's what we're going to talk about. We'll kind of put a bow on two stories that we've discussed quite a bit over the last couple weeks. The first, Deshaun Watson. I think you guys are tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of talking about it, but we've hit two, three, four, five segments on it. I just want to put a little bow on it. We know about the 11-game suspension, what it means, why he's returning in Houston. I think people maybe got that a little bit twisted on Thursday. We'll discuss that. From there, we'll discuss the Big Ten TV contract. How about our boy Kevin Warren? We officially dotted the T's or dotted the I's and crossed the T's on Thursday, and I got to wonder... Did the SEC, uh, is this the first time Greg Sankey kind of screwed some things up in the SEC? We'll discuss that, what the SEC's contract means relative to the Big Ten. And then finally, we're up with America's Favorite Podcast segment where Aaron was right where Aaron was wrong. We'll hit on all sorts of good stuff there. This crazy UCLA Cal story, we'll hit on the Dallas Cowboys, Kenny Pickett. Bronny James there is so much going on in the world of sports I got some of it right and I got some of it wrong we will discuss all that uh only other programming note one there will be no Friday uh, no Monday episode this coming week I'll give you details on the back end why but uh fun fun reason why and speaking of fun a lot of good stuff ahead for the Aaron Torres sports podcast really excited for some things going on behind the scenes with this show and to get you ready for the fall Where we are going to rock out, as I said, one Saturday from college football. It is officially go time. With that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day look, it's a story that we've hit on, as I just said, two, three, four times over the course of the last probably month to six weeks. And that is the situation with Deshaun Watson. And I think you guys and girls are tired of hearing about it. I'm sort of tired of talking about it. Don't want to make light of the alleged victims. I think everybody's ready to just move on, put it in our rearview mirror, and now we officially can as Deshaun Watson gets an 11-game suspension from the NFL. He can return the first week of December to play NFL football for the Cleveland Browns. Ironically, they will be playing the Houston Texans, his former team. This, of course, after he was given a six-game suspension previously, the NFL appealed, we settle on 11 games. And so, like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time with this off the top, but just a couple quick thoughts to kind of put a bow on this story overall. And the first thing that I would say, honestly, I am a little bit surprised that it was only an 11-game suspension. And the reason I'm surprised is because of the semantics that came out of both sides of this story since the initial six-game suspension came down. Roger Goodell, and I think I talked about it the other day on this show, but Roger Goodell really very vocally and aggressively came out against Deshaun Watson, came out against the decision of the independent arbiter, uh, Sue Robinson, and he used a term that I was kind of blown away that he said when he said it. He called... Sean Watson's behavior with those masseuses, which we've talked about a couple times on this show. I'm not going to go through the whole story again. You can go back and listen to all the details from the previous shows. Roger Goodell called his behavior predatory. Not my words, not the words of the independent arbiter, but predatory. This is not Roger Goodell dancing around stuff. This is not Roger Goodell uh, trying to kind of uh, put water on the story and make it go away. That was Roger Goodell kind of stoking the flames and letting, letting everybody know he is not happy with that initial six-game suspension. He was going to push hard to get the maximum suspension possible. On the flip side, I also found it very interesting that word leaked from Deshaun Watson's camp over the last couple days that he would have been willing to accept an eight-game suspension. And what that goes back to is all the stuff I've talked about on this show as it pertains to this story. If this guy was 100% innocent, and again, based on the reports of the independent arbiter Sue Robinson, um, you know, her conclusions were that he knew that the nature of his actions were sexual, not just from a, uh, uh, you know, a a masseuse perspective, and that he made the masseuses uncomfortable. If he truly was innocent, if he really had done nothing wrong, I think he would have fought that six-game suspension let alone that he was willing to accept an eight-game suspension. So once I heard he was willing to accept an eight-game suspension, I knew, okay, this guy thinks that he's getting the book thrown at him. And so he's trying to say, I'll even take two more games than what you initially gave me. And so I really did think that it was going to be a season-long suspension, a hefty fine. Instead, we settle on 11. And, you know, no major thoughts on the 11. Would I have been fine with a a year-long suspension? Of course I would have. I said it previously, I'd be fine if this guy never played in the NFL again, and I'm not one of these Mr. Blame Everybody and da-da-da-da, but you look at the facts of what he did, I would have had no problem with him never stepping on a field again, but what it comes down to is I think it's simple negotiation between the commissioner's office and the players' association. The commissioner's office wanted a year-long suspension. Deshaun Watson was willing to settle for eight. They meet somewhere in the middle at eleven. So I think the next question becomes, uh, did you see who he is now going to return against in early December? The first game back that he will play is against his former team, the Houston Texans in Houston. And I'll be honest, when I first saw that, my initial reaction, I think it was the same as everybody's reaction. Oh, my goodness, here goes the NFL again. Oh, my goodness, they're trying to make a story out of this. They're trying to make a spectacle out of this. The one thing about the NFL... I've said it many times. As a business owner, I respect Roger Goodell. They're trying to make every last dollar that they can off of everything. And I said, man, are they really trying to make this into a thing? Deshaun Watson back from suspension in Houston playing against his former team. And I thought to myself, one, how gross is that? Two, how awful would I feel for the alleged victims? I mean, remember, you go back to that initial report, and there were multiple women that are getting out of the business, getting out of the massage business because of Deshaun Watson's behavior. Imagine being a citizen of Houston, you're finally ready to move past this, and then it becomes a two, three-week circus when not only do the Browns come back to town, not only does Deshaun Watson come back to town, but on top of that, he is making his debut there. And so that was my first reaction, was shame on the NFL. But then I really looked at it a little bit deeper, and I actually don't think that the intention was malicious, to have him come back against the Texans, as a matter of fact, I think it's the opposite. One, I do think if we all agree that it wasn't going to be a season-long suspension, that you had to meet somewhere in the middle of six to eight games and the 17 games that the NFL wanted, if you actually look at the schedule, that's really kind of the only week that you could do it, okay? The two games before Deshaun Watson play uh, will return against the Houston Texans, The Cleveland Browns play the AFC-favorite Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, and then the week after that, they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and so you don't want Deshaun Watson coming back against a high-profile team, because when the Buffalo Bills play and when the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Bucs play, that's going to be a story unto itself. You don't want to send Jim Nance and Tony Romo or whoever, Troy, you know, whoever, whatever, You don't want to send the number one crew because Tom Brady's there and you got to spend the whole game talking about Deshaun Watson. But then the two games after the Texans game, at the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens, on a Thursday... No, 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 not a Thursday night. I take that back. The Baltimore Ravens. And so you certainly don't want to bring Deshaun Watson back in a big divisional game potentially first places on the line I don't think that it will be but you're playing the reigning AFC champ Cincinnati Bengals then you're playing the 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 Baltimore Ravens which is obviously a big game because it's division as well let alone the fact that Lamar Jackson is trying to use Deshaun Watson's contract as a negotiating point in his own and so the Houston game kind of actually makes the most sense and I'll take it a step further I kind of thought about this Is it possible, and I don't know if Roger Goodell is smart enough to think about this, but is it possible that they did choose Houston for this reason? While it won't be the biggest game on the NFL calendar that day, while I don't think anybody is sending their A crew to cover the game, is it possible that Roger Goodell kind of said to himself, if this guy does have to return, we'll give him the 11 games and he thinks that he won because he didn't get the season-long suspension, but he's going to return in the most hostile environment ever. Because outside of all of the things that he was accused of, all of the things that he was investigated for, the Houston Texans fans hate him because before all this happened, he demanded a trade. And he didn't want to be a Texan, and he did kind of the, the Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis thing where he signed a huge contract and then a year later refused to play for the team. And so I did wonder, is it possible that they said there is no place where he will get more vitriol, more hate than he will in Houston And if he has to come back this year, let's put him in the most hostile, angry, upset environment that we possibly can. I obviously don't know that, but I do wonder if that came into play. And I do wonder if Deshaun Watson's people were like, put us against the Bengals, put us against the Bucks, don't put us against in Houston. But that was kind of my thought there. Um, And really, those are really my only thoughts on this. This isn't one that we got to spend 25 minutes on breaking down every angle. I will say. Again, I don't want to be unsympathetic to the victims. I think everybody kind of knows where I stand on this. I am in the Roger Goodell camp. I don't believe, uh, you know, I, I excuse me, I, I do believe innocent until proven guilty. I do believe all that stuff, the justice system, all that wasn't brought criminal charges. But when you read that report from Sue Robinson, it's hard not to know that he didn't do, basically you read that report, at the very least he is a serial habitual guy who sexually harasses and puts women in uncomfortable situations, um, and maybe much worse. And so we've talked about it two, three, four times. Um, As I said off the top, I would have had no problem if he got the season-long suspension. I I know it's not possible. I would have had no problem if he never played in the NFL again, but Deshaun Watson gets 11 games, and we can all move on. You know, We can all move on, and we can talk about actual football as the NFL is now just a couple weeks away. College football is just a couple weeks away. Deshaun Watson gets that 11-game suspension. All right, so what we're going to do, like I said, want to get that one out of the way and get to the rest of the show. We are going to come back, take a quick break. Uh, When I come back, we're going to talk about that Big Ten TV contract. Now, we did talk about it a few weeks ago, but why I want to talk about it today is because, one, all the details are official, but more important than that, I think it says a lot about the Big Ten, a lot about Kevin Warren, but also a little bit about the SEC as well. We'll discuss that next also any Playoff, or not playoff, but expansion ramifications. We'll discuss that next. I'll be right back.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, I do want to kind of continue the conversation. And as I said a minute ago, as I said to lead the show, really, there's really two topics on today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Really, we kind of were able to put a bow on two stories that we've been covering for a long time on this show. We obviously discussed Deshaun Watson to lead the show. Not a lot there. It is nice to just put it in the rearview mirror. But the other story that came out on Thursday that became official is something that we have long talked about on the Aaron Sports Podcast, and that is the Big Ten TV deal is now official. Now, it's important to note, I don't think there were any real details that came out on Thursday that were really all that different than what we talked about previously. But what I will say is that, as I often say on this show, the story isn't the the, the surface-level stuff, right? Like, I don't think a Purdue fan cares that they now can't watch their game on ESPN and got to watch them on CBS. But instead, it's the story behind the story, and as I've told you before, I do think this Big Ten TV contract has big-time ripple effects on the rest of college football as well as the Big Ten, and that is what I want to get to, and really some new thoughts on top of some of the stuff that we've already discussed. Now, first of all, very, very quickly, because we've gone over it, here are the details, here's what you need to know. If you are a Big Ten fan, if you love punting and running between the tackles, uh, you are going to be in heaven come 2024, because here is what the TV schedule will look like. Noon Eastern time, Fox has that marquee game. 3.30, used to be the SEC on CBS, sayonara Nick Saban, see you later Kirby Smart, Brett Bielema and Jeff Brom are coming to town baby, that is right, PJ Fleck is rowing that boat right into the 3.30 time slot on CBS, and then the 7pm Eastern time slot, every week we'll have uh, a Big Ten game on NBC. Thought it was kind of an interesting note, this is the first time that there is ever one specific spot reserved for Big Ten football so that's kind of a kind of a cool interesting little caveat there there will be the occasional game streamed on Peacock but that is essentially what you need to know Peacock for people who do not know is the NBC streaming service but the big games are going to be on big TV and the Big Ten got big money for it we have seen the reports but when when you put pen to paper on Thursday it was pretty astronomical it was a seven-year deal with all three networks for $8 billion. Did a little back-of-the-envelope math that comes out to like $1.14 billion per year for the league which comes out to, on average, like $71.5 million per year per school. Now, that's a little bit of a, a you know, twisted because a lot of the contracts are backloaded. The SEC technically, or the CBS technically has the SEC for one more year before they really jump full speed into the Big Ten. So it's not perfect back-of-the-envelope math, but essentially $71 million per year per school. So you got a school like Clemson in the ACC competing for national championships, and then you got a school like Minnesota in the Big Ten that's nowhere close that's probably making twice as much money. So those are the numbers, and I think we all know that. But here's just some, I, I wrote down about four or five thoughts that I had on what Thursday's news meant for college football as a whole. First of all, as I've discussed the last couple weeks, I, t- I think I briefly touched on it, Aaron right, Aaron wrong. I got to give Kevin Warren the Big Ten commissioner credit here, Okay. Because when 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 you know Kevin Warren was given the Big Ten commissioner job like a month before COVID started, and he didn't know anybody, he didn't know the the conference presidents and athletic directors and all that stuff. COVID hits, things get shut down, and I thought he looked really weak during COVID. Kind of got pushed around. Remember all those school presidents with tweed jackets. Remember Mark Schlissel from Michigan. Yeah, the Michigan president, if you don't remember him. Uh, yeah, he resigned because of some sexual uh, misconduct allegations, neither here nor there. You can Google that. But I thought Kevin Warren looked really weak during COVID. But as I said last week, my first takeaway is I'm actually very impressed by Kevin Warren, okay? And I think it, it proves that, that everybody in life has some kind of different strengths and weaknesses. And what we saw from Kevin Warren was that for people who do not know, he came from the NFL. And he had very much an NFL mindset when it came to putting together this TV package. First of all, credit to him, he got his schools the most possible money, and at the end of the day, that is his job, get your schools as much cash as you possibly can. Beyond that, though, the three different TV networks thing is very interesting, and it's very much an NFL model. And we all watch the NFL on Saturday, we are on Sunday, excuse me, we all pay attention to all these different games, and it is not uncommon For a a 4 o'clock CBS game from Foxborough, uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo to be promoting the Monday night game on ESPN, or the the 1 o'clock Fox game to be promoting a a, a next Thursday night's game on Amazon, whatever. And that is really what the NFL has created, this kind of uh, situation where everybody is promoting everything else for the good of the NFL, and that's why I love this TV contract from the Big Ten's perspective. Because now, you're going to tune into Fox? And Fox is going to be saying, hey, when we're done, switch over to CBS, because if you think Ohio State and Penn State is great right now, we got Michigan USC at 330 on CBS. And from a branding and marketing perspective that is so big and so important and so huge, let alone the fact that all three of those networks, CBS, Fox, NBC, at least right now, also have the NFL, So we'll know in advance what the next week's games are going to be, and you will be watching Sunday night football on uh, you know, Packers 49ers or whatever, and they're going to be promoting the Ohio State-Wisconsin game the following week. And so I give Kevin Warren credit because, yes, it's about the money and the dollars and the cents, and they've moved ahead the SEC, but beyond that, it's about the marketing and promotion. And as somebody who, you know, and I talk about this a lot, But as somebody who's recently started my own business, I'm always trying to think of ways to expand and this and that, and how can I get people talking about me? Well, what better way than to have three major broadcast networks talking about the Big Ten constantly because they are all financially invested? I also think it's worth noting as well the Big Ten championship game will now be split up between NBC, Fox, and CBS. So another reason for all three of those networks to stay invested all year, because every other, every third year, I guess it would be, they'll have the conference championship game. Think that's big, think, that, think that's huge. Before we move on, by the way, one last thing. I got a little pushback last time when I talked about the Big Ten TV contract because they're like, yeah, but I mean, if you're not on ESPN, nobody's going to talk about you. Uh, shut up. That is the dumbest... I, 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 no disrespect to anybody who listens to this podcast. I appreciate each and every one of your support. But please stop telling me that the Big Ten not being on ESPN is going to hurt them on the national landscape. One, it's exactly what I just said. You're going to have three different networks talking about you during the most watched, most viewed events every single week, which are called NFL games. So there's that. And two, I got this. People were like, well, you know, I mean, they're not on ESPN. What does it mean for their coverage? Uh, One, first of all, I don't think anybody goes to ESPN anymore, and it's not disrespect. I don't think you're waiting until the 11 o'clock Sports Center to see what Kirk Herbstreet has to say about Ohio State or Alabama or Penn State or USC. If you want reaction to whatever's going on in college football, you have podcasts like this, you have YouTube streams, you have live streams, you have all sorts of good stuff. You have plenty of places to go. To hear and listen to college football, I don't think it really matters all that much uh, that they're not on ESPN. And two, let's not act like ESPN isn't going to talk about Ohio State. Like They're not going to show Ohio State highlights if they're number one or number two in the country. So that's just ridiculous. So that's my first takeaway. Just credit Kevin Warren. I thought he he showed why he was hired for this job. Obviously, again, didn't think he was strong during COVID, but everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. He showed just how good of a, a businessman and negotiator he is here. Second big takeaway, i got to say this. I think this is the first time since Greg Sankey took over as commissioner of the SEC. I think he kind of got his pants pulled down a little bit here in terms of the Big Ten's TV contract versus the SEC's TV contract. Now, the first thing I'll say, the Big Ten's making a little bit more. I saw this today. People were like, you know, the SEC's starting to fall behind a little bit. It's like, please stop what the SEC is falling behind. Like, everybody's making a ton of money in the SEC. We're not talking about the Mountain West here. Like, if Georgia needs to add a new analyst to their staff, it's not like Kirby Smart is going to be going hands and knees to his athletic director begging for help. You know, if Kentucky needs to update update its uh, a smoothie bar, I, you know, Mark Stoops already won that war with John Ke- So, like, the point I'm trying to make, this idea that the SEC somehow fell behind because they're making, like, $8 million less a year when everybody's clear 60-plus in the Big Ten and the SEC just stop. But where I do think Greg Sankey... I I, I don't think this was the smartest move, and I think it shows really the difference between Kevin Warren coming from the NFL and Greg Sankey being in college his entire career. For people who don't know, by the way, I should mention, the SEC in 2020, after they sealed the deal uh, with Texas and Oklahoma, or I guess it was technically a little bit after, but whatever, they signed an exclusive deal. All their games are on ESPN, ABC. Obviously, the SEC network is owned by ESPN. They signed a massive deal. It's about $300 million a year. Whatever it ends up being, it's a lot of money for all these schools. Uh, I saw Billy Napier kind of said something to the effect of $60-plus a year. So it's not so much the money thing. But I do think, again, I do think if Greg Sankey had to do it over, I don't know that sticking with one single partner is the best possible move. Because one, it completely eliminates um, the exposure on the other networks. Obviously, CBS, NBC, Fox, now they have no in incentive to talk SEC football. Now, to go back to the previous point, it's not as though it's not as though uh, people are going to pretend like Alabama doesn't play or pretend like Texas A&M or Georgia or LSU or Florida don't play, but I also sit there and say, you know, if he had to do it over, I do think, you know, that second-tier, third-tier, fourth-tier package, whatever it is, sell it to somebody else, one, you're just going to get more money. Two, you're going to get other people talking about you. So that's the first part. But here's the other part where I think Greg Sankey, if he had to do it over again, I'm not sure that he would do it the way that he did. I said the terms of the Big Ten TV deal earlier. Seven years, $8 billion with a B. I sound like Dr. Evil there. $8 billion with a B. You know what? In the SEC, I should mention, I got a little sidetracked there talking Dr. Evil. The SEC's contract, as I just said, is a 10-year deal that's going to pay, you know, over the totality, whatever, 60-whatever million a con- uh, per, for the, per team per, for the contract. But why I bring it up, did you hear what I said? Seven-year TV contract, Big Ten, 10-year contract, SEC. The Big Ten just locked in the biggest TV deal in the history of college sports, and their contract is going to be up again before the SEC's contract is up. And so, again shrewd business move by not only Kevin Warren, but the previous commissioner of the Big Ten, Jim Delaney. They've taken these short-term deals. That's just smart business. You know, I, I go to another sport for half a second, if you'll allow me. It's like Major League Baseball. I don't understand why all these players sign these insane long-term contracts. I know you want to lock in $250, $300, $400 million a year if you're a baseball player, But the market moves so fast that if you sign a contract 15 years, you know, Juan Soto just turned down a 15-year deal. You you know what salaries are going to be in 15 years from now? Bryce Harper, by the way, signed a 13-year deal to to be the highest-paid player in baseball. Two weeks later, Mike Trout signs a contract, and he surpasses Bryce Harper. Cool, Bryce Harper. You were the highest-paid player in baseball for two weeks. Then you got surpassed. Now you're stuck in Philly for 13 years sorry not the move that I would make I would do the short-term deals Carlos Correa a player for the Minnesota Twins did that this offseason signed a three-year deal at about 25 26 he's going to hit the market again at 29 years old and cash in again and that is what the Big Ten did on Thursday to bring it back to college football that random baseball rant you probably were thrown off there but that's what the Big Ten did on Thursday the Big Ten got their money now, and they're going to go back to the negotiating table before the SEC does. And so you think the Big Ten has lapped the SEC now? Wait until, what, 2031, 2032 when that new contract is up? They're going to leaps and bounds. Now, at least to Greg Sankey's credit, it's not that ACC contract that's through 2036, but I, just, I, I think if Greg Sankey had to do it over, he would have made a shorter deal, multiple networks, I think committing ten years in this landscape, when you have a property as valuable as the SEC, I just don't think it's smart business. Finally, a couple other news and notes. You know, I've seen differing things on what the Big Ten stuff means for the future of the Pac-12. Um, it was interesting on Thursday we learned that there is an uh, what they call an escalator clause in the contract between the Big Ten and these these other uh, these TV networks. In other words, saying that if another round of realignment happens, that the Big Ten can renegotiate. Now, I saw a lot of people say, oh, that's terrible news. Nobody in the the Pac-12 is going to commit. It goes back to what I said a few weeks ago. If the Big Ten wanted anybody in the Pac-12, any of those remaining 10 schools, they would have had them by now. Now, it doesn't make the Pac-12's job any easier, but if the Big Ten wanted Cal, wanted Stanford, wanted Oregon, wanted Washington... They would have already had them, and so I think a lot of people saw this escalator clause and thought it was this big thing. I don't really think it's much of anything. I don't know that it fundamentally changes the the the, the details of this contract, um, and I don't think anything really happens without Notre Dame. Now Notre Dame, as I told you, I was ahead on this. I was the only one. If you don't think I'm going to be talking about it, and where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, coming up, you don't know what you don't know. Your boy Torres, but I told you, I said Notre Dame's going to stay independent. Everybody else is saying they're, this is going to push them to the Big Ten. They don't care about the most possible money. They care about having enough money to compete and they're going to get that from NBC in like a $60 million a year range. And so I only bring it up because I think from the Big Ten's perspective, I think I saw a lot of people say, well, you know, it's only a matter of time before they poach more Pac-12 schools. Well, why didn't they just do it right now? Why go through all the work of getting all these deals done with three different networks just to be in a scenario where in a, mo- in a year from now or in six months from now, you're trying to renegotiate. I don't think this changes anything. Notre Dame is going to recommit to Notre Dame. Uh, N- Notre Dame is going to recommit to NBC. And I think from the Pac-12's perspective, I-, I don't think the Big Ten is all that interested. Now, if everything flails in the wind, if the Pac-12 can't get anything done long-term, and we're a year from now, we're two years from now, and everything's still floating in the wind, then that's a little bit of a different deal. But right now, this second, I don't see any of these Pac-12 schools leaving for the Big Ten. If they wanted to do it, they should have just done it right now. And so I think George Kliakov, the uh, Kliakov, I don't know how to say his name, the the Pac-12 commissioner, it's go time, man. I understand you're not in the right situation, but the Big Ten TV contract is done. I don't think they're ripping it up tomorrow to add Cal and Stanford. It is on you, my man. Get your stuff done. Get things done, because I think now is the window. Now is the time where you got to get this done. you got to lock your schools in. And by the way, you know what might be the pitch for for the Pac-12? Hey, you don't have to commit long-term. They sign a seven-year deal. Let's us sign a seven-year deal. Let's see where they are a couple years from now. I don't think you're going to get any of these Pac-12 schools to commit to something more than seven years, but I do think, as I've said a few times, I think the Pac-12 right now, remains a better option for most of these schools than trying to go to the Big 12 or trying to go somewhere else. It's on the commissioner to get things done right now. All right, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. We will wrap our Friday show, Aaron right, Aaron wrong. I think we'll, we'll, we'll hit on a couple fun stories from the week that I just haven't had a chance to get to on this show. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, I don't know, some, some NFL preseason stuff. We'll talk some, uh, some of these college sports stories that we've hit on. Uh, an update on Bronny James. Ooh, if that isn't a tease, I don't know what is. Stay tuned. Take a quick break. I'll be right back.
0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: All right, everybody. I'm back. Could it be back? Could it be back? Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap with what has quickly become America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. By now you know the concept, pretty straightforward. Yes, I did steal it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin is a good friend of mine. I've been on his show, really respect him and what he has done in his career, what he's done for me, frankly, uh, as a young guy in this business. But every single week Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. I decided to bring it to this show where Aaron was right, right, where Aaron was wrong for one pretty simple reason. I put out a lot of sports opinions over the course of a week, a month, a year. I do it on social media. I do it on my radio show. I do it on my podcast. Well, when I get stuff right, nobody likes to tell you about it more than your boy Torres. Torres told you this. You should have listened to Torres. Blah, 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 blah. You never shut up, dude. Also, though, I get a lot of stuff wrong. (laughs) Making fun of myself there, the third person. Unbelievable. I do get a lot of stuff wrong, and... Where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong is a great way to keep me in check. Yeah, you might get some stuff right, but you get a lot of stuff wrong, too, and you got to own it. We do it every Friday to wrap the week. Let's get to it. Where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Where Aaron was right. Did you see the report out of the Sports Business Journal that Notre Dame is on the verge of accepting a $60 million deal a year to stay independent and play its football games on NBC? That's what I've been telling you for weeks. Everybody else has crushed me. Torres, you don't know what you're talking about. And I ended up being dead right. Here's the bottom line with this whole story. You don't need to be a college football insider. You don't need to have sources inside athletic departments. All you had to do was read the reports available online. If you got the internet, if you got Google, you could have sniffed this one out a mile away. You didn't need the Hardy Boys and Scooby-Doo to figure this one out, okay? The bottom line is this is that two things stood out with me from Notre Dame from the beginning. One, they have publicly said that they are willing to take less money to stay independent. We talked about it on a Monday show. I give them credit. I think they're the one school in America that, yes, there is a baseline of what they have to make, but they are not simply trying to make the single most dollar amount, the, the single, the, like like every single penny that they possibly can. They care about their history. They care about tradition. You can love them, you can hate them, but they care about being unique. The other thing that I tried to tell you, and I didn't hear any other podcast radio talk about this, there was a report weeks ago that NBC was only going after the Big Ten TV rights To package them around Notre Dame so I see all these people well the the NBC getting the big getting the big 10 that must mean Notre Dame's coming in why would they want it no it's actually the opposite they've been saying from the beginning they want to make it an all-day experience on NBC they want you to come in for the Notre Dame game stay for the big 10 game and spend eight or nine of your hours every Saturday on NBC it never made sense this was always the end game, and we have the reports now. Notre Dame is set to accept a contract for about $60 million a year to remain independent, and I expect them to remain that way for the very foreseeable future. Where Aaron was wrong, uh, we led Deshaun Watson, we led the show with Deshaun Watson today, and where I was wrong was once the appeal happened. I really did think we were looking at a 16 or 17 game season long ban for Deshaun Watson. We would not see him during the 2022 season. That was, again, one of those that's not sourcing. I don't have a direct line to Roger Goodell. But when Roger Goodell called Deshaun Watson's behavior predatory, it made it very clear to me. And those were Roger Goodell's words, not my words, not your words, not the person that you talk to on the school. Like, the. Roger Goodell called it predatory behavior. And then also when we got the report that Deshaun Watson was willing to accept an eight-game suspension, when he already got six and he claims his innocence, that said to me that he thought the book was being thrown at him. It ends up being 11. We already talked about it. I don't need to tell you every single detail and every single thought that I have. I wish it had been a year. I would have been fine. And you guys and girls know I'm not a high horse guy. I'm not a ban everyone from everything guy. But I would have been fine if this guy never played football again. As Roger Goodell said, his behavior was predatory. It was weird. It was creepy. But now we know he gets 11 games. He will be back this season, ironically, in Houston, where Aaron was right. So I didn't talk about this story much because I didn't think it had very much legs. And that was the report that the UC school system, specifically Cal Berkeley, was going to force UCLA To stay in the Pac 12. And the reason I didn't feel like I was gonna talk about it was because there was no legs to this report. If you if you remember, I think I briefly touched on it, and essentially what I said is this. If and by the way, as a backstory, I think everybody knows, but UCLA and UC Berkeley are part of this of the same school system, they have the same board of regents, and so when UCLA left the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, Cal Berkeley basically dragged him into court and said, no, 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 you're staying because you're hurting not only the Pac-12, you are hurting your fellow school system, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I said at the time, I said, look, here's the bottom line. The governor of California is named Gavin Newsom. Everything he does is for a press appearance or he does it because he thinks it is going to make him look good in the eyes of the constituents. There is no backbone to this guy. And there is no backbone to this story because there is no way you can make UCLA stay. And that was essentially what we learned in this court case on, I guess it was Wednesday. Now, look, they're going to fight in scratch and claw over these next couple weeks. But first of all, the TV contract is done in 2024. It does not bind any of these schools to any of the other ones. But keep in mind also that if any of these other ones had better options, they would leave as well. So one, if there is no contract after 2024, I don't know how you can keep them there. But two, there's also this weird clause that came out like 20, 30 years ago that all of these uh, schools in the UC school system are basically allowed to negotiate on their own for what they deem best. Now, nobody ever thought it would blow up in everybody's face like this, but at the end of the day, it was an interesting headline, but I never thought it carried much weight. Wednesday, they went to court. It didn't really feel like all that much came out of it. And uh, let's just say I would be stunned if UCLA isn't a card-carrying member of the Big Ten in 2024, where Aaron was wrong. So I'll say this, is that when the, the, the UCLA-USC stuff happened, I really thought it was like game over, lights out for all of the other 10 pac 12 schools, and that really hasn't been the case. First of all, the AP poll came out this week, the first AP poll of the season. Uh, The current Pac-12 has two of the top 11 teams in the first AP poll. Keep in mind, Utah, who is still very much in the Pac-12, came in at number seven, and Oregon came in at number 11. Now, you could say, well, obviously, these teams and programs had been built under the current model of the Pac-12, but what I would say is, at least for Oregon, they have not missed a beat since the Pac-12 disintegrated. About three, four weeks ago, and we've talked about it from the other spectrum, but a five star quarterback by the name of Dante Moore from the state of Michigan. We've talked about how Jim Harbaugh missed on that guy in recruiting. Well, he committed to Oregon. And of course, Michigan fans complained about NIL and who knows what the truth is. But the bottom line is, I thought it was kind of incredible that Oregon got the commitment of a five star quarterback in a world where we're not even sure totally who he's going to be playing against once he gets there or what conference that they're in. On the basketball side, Oregon picked up its second five-star commitment this week since the announcement that USC and UCLA were leaving. They got a recommitment from Mookie Cook in basketball. He was a five-star who was committed to Oregon, decommitted, and then recommitted this week. This, of course, after K.J. Evans, who everybody thought was going to Arizona, ended up committing to Oregon instead. So I can't speak to where Oregon's going to be playing in four, five, six years. Same with Utah, same with Arizona, same with whatever. But Oregon Athletics, whether it's the Phil Knight stuff, the Nike stuff, whatever, they have not missed a beat since USC and UCLA announced they were leaving the Pac-12. Where Aaron was right. Ooh, buddy, am I excited to talk about this? So one of my favorite segments I ever did on the air tour sports podcast had to do with the Dallas Cowboys after they lost in the opening round of the NFL playoffs last year to the San Francisco 49ers. And if you remember that game, that was the game where Dak slid. He couldn't get up in time. They end up losing clock expires at home. And if you remember why I liked that segment, I thought it was totally unique. I thought it was a totally fun perspective. I got a lot of really positive feedback on that one. But what I said was, this is what the Dallas Cowboys need to do. Not what they will do. But what they should do, what they should do, fire Mike McCarthy and pay Nick Saban $20 million a year to become the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And if Nick Saban says no, then you offer him $30 million. And if Nick Saban says no, you offer him $50 million, And you keep going up until Nick Saban says yes. Now, we all know that's not going to happen. The owners would get pissed at Jerry Jones. But why I said that was pretty straightforward. I said the Dallas Cowboys window is right now. Dak Prescott has been paid, but all of their young, talented players are on rookie contracts. Trevon Diggs is on a rookie contract. Micah Parsons is on a rookie contract. CeeDee Lamb is on a rookie contract. And the issue with the Dallas Cowboys is not talent. It is coaching, and it is discipline with Mike McCarthy. That is not my opinion. It is backed up by facts. They had 14 penalties in that loss to San Francisco last year. They led the league in penalties. And so what I said at the time was, you got to get a coach in that can just instill discipline. That's all they need, and as long as they have that, they're going to win big and probably compete for a Super Bowl, especially in the the NFC. Well, why is Aaron right about this? Did you see their preseason opener last weekend? Now look, you can't take very much out of the preseason, but Dallas finished the first preseason game with 17 penalties. 17 penalties in the preseason. And you can't tell me it's all they're playing backups and they're this and they're that. The league average in week one was six penalties. The Cowboys tripled it. And so, listen, this is who Mike McCarthy is. You cannot win with a coach who is not buttoned up in the details. You can win with an offensive coach. You can win with a defensive coach. You can win with a young coach. You can win with an old coach. You cannot win. If your coach is disorganized and the simple fundamentals are not done, it is why the Cowboys should have gone and gotten Nick Saban, because the window is now. Three of your most talented players, three of the best players at their positions are on rookie contracts. The Dallas Cowboys missed it. They brought back Mike, Mike McCarthy. It's much the same. They need to get rid of this guy ASAP. Who knows? Maybe Sean Payton will be available by the end of the year. Where Aaron was wrong. So let's stay in the NFL preseason, and like I said, I don't think there's a ton that you can take away from most preseason games, but what I would say was Pittsburgh Steelers and Kenny Pickett looked really, really, really good. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit down on Kenny Pickett coming into the NFL draft. I said he's older, I said he had one good year, and really I wondered, is he this good, or are we as the media hyping him up because we need quarterbacks to talk about, right? You you guys and girls as fans, you don't care about defensive ends and offensive tackles and nickel cornerbacks. The the talking points going into a draft are the quarterbacks. It's Joe Burrow. It's Tua. It's Justin Herbert. It's Kyler Murray. It's Zach Wilson. It's Trey Lance. It's whoever. And so I said, are we? is this guy very good, or are we just hyping him up because we need a quarterback to talk about? Well, in week one of the preseason, he goes 13 to 15, two touchdowns, looked pretty good to me. And why it's important is because he was running with the first-team offense. He was running with the starters on the offensive line, the starting skill position guys. And I'll just tell you, I wasn't a buyer coming in, but I think this guy should be Pittsburgh's week one starter. If other teams can start Zach Wilson after playing one good year of college football at BYU... If Trey Lance is just handed the starting job in San Francisco, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is clearly the better quarterback, I see no reason why you cannot give this job to a 24-year-old who had a phenomenal college year. I was dead wrong on Kenny Pickett. Finally, where Aaron was right. A lot of interesting things going on in the recruitment of Bronny James, LeBron's son and credit to us as usual we were ahead of this story because about three weeks ago the New York Times came out with a story about his recruitment and the one thing you got out of that recruitment was basically it's kind of hard to know who's even recruiting him because of who his father is because of all the variables at play well over the last couple days we've gotten a few different reports and two things that I have been telling you from the beginning are very true one it's hard to know who's even recruiting him I think it was Paul Biancardi put out a report that Oregon is in the lead. LeBron James came out, his, his obviously his father, the famous LeBron James, and said, we haven't even heard from any coaches. The coaches that we've heard from, there are no leaders. Any information comes from our family. So I bring it up to say, I told you we didn't really know anything, but I'll tell you what else it, it, this tells me. I have been dead right all along about these pro alternatives to college basketball. If there is one high school player In recent high school basketball history that does not need college basketball, it's Bronny James. This is the son of LeBron James. Millions of Instagram followers. He could sit out for a year. He could go to the G League. He could go overseas, and he could make millions, and he may still make millions via NIL. But what I've told you for years, everybody wants to kill college basketball. College basketball has got more lives than a cat, man. Everyone's trying to kill college basketball. Here is another high-profile player, another high-profile freshman that sees the value of, oh, I don't know, a free education. Oh, I don't know, every game being on national TV. Oh, I don't know, now you can make millions in NIL. I've been telling you for years, everybody's trying to kill college basketball. It appears as though Bronny James is going, and as I also told you, it's hard to know exactly where. All right. I think that's it for this episode of the air Tour Sports Podcast. Fun episode today. Did have to hit on some serious stuff off the top, so I appreciate you guys and girls sticking with me, and hopefully we end the show with a bang. Before we get out of here, a couple things. First of all, a little mini announcement. Um, I actually, there will be no Monday show. I'll be traveling on Sunday. Uh, some fun stuff going on in uh, my personal life. I don't really want to talk too much about it, but Torres family's getting a dog. So we're going to pick up the dog. Yes, two weeks before college football season was not my idea on the timing, but uh, we're going to have a little Torres running around the house. Not a little Torres on two legs, a little Torres on four legs. So that's where I'll be on Sunday. Uh, I'll be back probably Monday or Tuesday, don't know when, but no Monday episode. Yes, a little four-legged friend in the Torres household. Uh, we're uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. are very, very excited, uh, but I'll be back later in the week. And then as I keep telling you, be patient. We got some big, big, big announcements coming for the start of this season. I'm going to have a chance for you to win some cash. I'm going to have a chance for you to just do all sorts of good stuff, so make sure you're locked in. Before we get out of here, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Uh, I will be back early next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere in there. And we're going to rock out cause we got college football next weekend, baby. One Saturday left. Enjoy it. Get to the beach, spend time with your family. Cause we got some commitments coming up on the weekend. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Redick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro. Unblock me. Let's talk, just not Sunday, because I got some plans. I'll be back uh, early next week. New episode of the AirTorah Sports Podcast. Enjoy, everybody. With the
0: Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.